Thanks for joining us here at Faith Assembly for our weekly podcast. We're so excited you're tuning in this week. To learn more about our church, you can visit us online at myfaithassembly.org. Join us live at our 9 a.m., 11 a.m., and 5 p.m. services, or connect with us on Facebook. Yin's guys ready for the sermon this morning? 1 Samuel chapter 4. We're so glad you've joined us on this kickoff Sunday. As we've mentioned, uh, it is kicking off our week of point groups. We hope you'll get plugged in, be a part of that. But also kicking off a new series that we're entitled, uh, Make It Your Own. And uh, so we'll kick that off this morning. So glad you're here to be a part of this. And I just pray you be encouraged and drawn closer to the purpose and the hope that God has for you. I know you've, uh, you know what it's like to make purchases and you've identified something, you go out, there are some people who actually go shopping as a hobby. Can you believe that? Some people actually do that for a hobby. I don't know what, what that would be. But uh, then there's other folks who go out of necessity. And when you go, you, you identify something, you select it, and then you take that forward. You, you make a purchase or commitment by purchasing it. You then take it all the way home. You put it inside the closet or whatever it is. And at some point, you will eventually take the tags off of it unless you're holding it wondering if you might take it back. Now, if you're the person who says, well, I'm just going to take the tags off, use it for a while. I'll then take it back. That's wrong. Don't do that if you are a person like that. But at some point when you make the purchase, you take the tags off and it becomes your own. I wonder in our spiritual journey, have we taken the tags off yet? Have we gone from being users to owners? Have we, have we just allowed this spiritual journey to, to be something that we're engaged in or we're a part of, we participate in, but not fully, not fully receiving the, the benefits and, and just fully engaged in what it is, the opportunity and responsibility of being involved in what God has for us. And so we're kicking this off. Our goal is this, that we would take hold of the purpose that God has for us. I I hope you know today that God has purpose for your life. Do you believe that? That God has designed each of us with purpose. Paul said it this way, forgetting what is behind and straining to what is ahead to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. So as we kick this off this morning, we're going to look at 1 Samuel chapter 4, and we're going to look at the end of the life of Eli. Now these first four chapters give us a picture of this man by the name of Eli. Eli was a priest by rights of of, of being a descendant of Levi. He is now a priest. He's in the role and position of being in in an area of, of being a judge and overseer, but really he stands to help people connect with God. So we're gonna take a look at that this morning, and if Yin's guys are ready, let's stand together. And take a look at this in 1 Samuel chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, follow along or on that Yin's Version Bible. That was so cool. So cool. If not, it's on the screen behind us as well. But starting in verse 12, we're going to jump right to the end of Eli's life. And so we're seeing his last days here. And then we're going to take a look at the characteristics that really led uh, to this, this moment in time. Verse 12 of 1 Samuel chapter 4, a man from the tribe of Benjamin ran from the battlefield and arrived at Shiloh later that same day. He had torn his clothes and put dust on his head to show his grief. Eli was waiting and sitting beside the road to hear the news of the battle, for his heart trembled for the safety of the ark of God. When the messenger arrived and told what had happened, an outcry resounded throughout the town. What is all the noise about, Eli asked. The messenger rushed over to Eli, who was 98 years old and blind. 
He said to Eli, I have just come from the battlefield. I was there this very day. What happened, my son? Eli demanded. Israel has been defeated by the Philistines. The messenger replied, the people have been slaughtered and your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were also killed in the battle. And the ark of God has been captured. When the messenger mentioned what had happened to the ark of God, Eli fell backward from his chair beside the gate. He broke his neck and he died, for he was old and overweight. I want to share this morning from these next couple minutes, if I can have your attention. And would you just help me out with that this morning? Would you just ask somebody beside you, say, can he have your attention? It should only take about 70, 80, 90 minutes, but uh, uh, just to have your attention this morning, because I, I want you to hear today, I want to talk on uh, every time we get up here and share, we want to share from something that's serious, but I want you to hear the heart of what it is that God is calling us for. I want to share from this title today, Armchair Living, all right, that God would help us to get off of the armchair and off the sidelines into the purpose and fully engage in what God would have for us. Is that all right? So God, this morning, I thank you that you are here. I thank you for your presence that is among us. And Lord, the opportunity just to gather around your word, I pray that your spirit would speak truth to our heart, that God, we would be transformed and changed by your spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen on your way to being seated. Just tell somebody beside you, let's do this. Let's do this. We got... We got work to do. We've got work to do. I want you to hear this this morning. We've got work to do. Let's do this. So I know you've come here today. You've got your Bible. You've got your notes. You're ready to take notes. You're ready to, to dive in, to follow along. How many are ready to do some work this morning? How many are ready to dig into what God would have to really see and get some meat this morning to see what God would want to challenge and speak to us and help us to grow in? So here we go. Armchair living. There's no doubt this afternoon there will be thousands, if not millions, of people finding their place. They're gonna find their area that they will they will abide in, and for the, the three hours or so, we'll sit there and we'll become armchair quarterbacks, designated armchair quarterbacks for their football team. Are there any armchair quarterbacks in the room this morning willing to admit it and be able to acknowledge the armchair quarterback? I love the opportunity that we have from the armchair to be able to speak into what's going on, but without really having any responsibility with the outcome. Isn't it fun to sit in the chair and be able to criticize and give opinion and be able to say what ought to be done when the truth of the matter is we have no responsibility or no nothing in ourselves to be able to see or do anything about it. You know what it's like that you can sit there and say what the coach Tomlin ought to have done, but all the while there's no proof on you to have to prove that your idea was better than his. Isn't it pretty convenient that you get to say, well, they should have, and you have no burden of proof to even show that that would really occur. You just have the privilege of critiquing without consequence. You just have the privilege of being able to say what ought to be done, to be able to give an opinion without even have to activating in any responsibility or able to do anything. Isn't it nice to have opportunity without responsibility? The only problem is that when you sit in the armchair and you lead from the armchair, the problem with that is it might be safe, and that's what's nice about leading from the armchair. It's safe. I mean, who do you have to worry about? You can spit all the ideas out that you want, but you don't have to prove anything. You have all the opportunity to say what should have been done, to criticize and to, and to say how it should have gone and what should have taken place. But all the while, you get the privilege of participating without any responsibility to even be engaged or show your, your, your ability to make a difference or to do anything about it. It's safe. But the problem with being safe in the armchair 
is that it doesn't give way to significance because the truth of the matter is everything done in the armchair, in fact, it might even get a little loud. Some people get excited when they watch the game. Some people yell at the TV to direct the traffic to tell that player which way they should have gone with all kind of excitement, with all kind of intention, and with all kind of passion. But at the end of the day, everything done in the armchair has no significance. Isn't that true? That everything that we've done in that moment and in that time makes no difference. It does not matter. This is the tragedy of living life from the armchair. It's living life without significance. It's living life without impact. It's living life without true meaning. But God has designed each and every one of us to have significance, to have meaning. There's meaning to what we do. Why are you here this morning? Why'd you wake up this morning? Why did you even bother coming to church today? Some of you are like, well, fine, I won't come. That's not my point in saying that. My point is this. Have we really allowed ourselves to fully engage in what God has done? There are times I like to just stand back and watch people worship. You say, why? Because as the pastor of this church, I want to see the temperature of where we're going. As the pastor of this church, I'm gauging the temperature of where, where, where are we headed? Where, where are we leading? Where, where are we? It's one thing to lead, but if we lead in a direction but we don't know where everybody else is, then you've got a huge gap. Then are you really leading? Are you really influencing, moving? There are times I, I want to just see, hey, what's the involvement? What, I want to take the temperature. I want to take the temperature of, 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 of what's going on and, and how we're influencing, what's taking place, and why are we engaging? What are we doing? What impact are we having? Because obviously our whole perspective is that we don't want to just be people sitting in a chair, but we want to be people moving forward in the purpose that God has to accomplish the work that God has called us to do. You see, you can work or operate from the armchair, but the danger of the armchair is you don't have any significance. And if we live life without significance and get to the end of time and miss the opportunity to make an impact, to miss an opportunity to influence, here's Eli. And Eli has all the opportunity to influence. It's his turn to lead. I want to say to someone today, it's your turn. It's your turn today. It's his turn. He was of the tribe of Levi, and all the tribes had responsibilities and things that they were, that they were supposed to be a part of and, and engage in. And here was the tribe of Levi. And Levi, they were the priests, that they were the ones who were to carry the Ark of the Covenant. They were the ones who were to honor God, to offer sacrifices, and to, and to meet before God on behalf of the people. Everyone else had, all the other tribes had other responsibilities. But here from Levi, their responsibility was to help people connect with God. Eli was a part of that, and it was his responsibility to help people connect with God. I don't know about you, but there is no greater responsibility that anyone could have than to help people connect with God. Would you? agree with that? But do you know that the Bible says that we are called to be priests? Every single one of us. Look at your neighbor today and just tell them, hey, it's your job to help people connect with God. It's your job to help people connect with God. Your job and your, 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 your opportunity that we have is to help people connect with God. How is it? It's your turn. You see, Eli came from the tribe of Levi, and here it is. It's Eli's turn. It's his turn. It was his opportunity. It was his moment in time. I want to say to you today, it's your turn. It's not an accident that you're here. 
And I don't mean just at Faith Assembly. I mean it's not an accident that you're in that relationship, that you have those children, that you're in that workplace, that you have that opportunity. It's not an accident. You're not that good that you've got position to a place of influence. You're not that good because you might be having enough of your own ability to do what you can do, but the impact of what God wants to do in your life, he has allowed you to have that influence. He's allowed you to have that that favor. It is your time. It's your turn. And how do we handle the, the responsibility and the opportunity opportunities that God has given us. He doesn't give us what we have just so that we might be able to consume and to be able to take part in. He has given us what we have that we might give back to him and that he might use who we are and what we have for the further the furthering the gospel and allowing his truth to be seen that we have this privilege. Hey, it's your turn. It's your turn. You've got influence. You say, well, I don't have that much influence. I'm, I'm only this old. Yeah, you know what? It's your turn in that school to step up and to be a place of influence. It's your turn to go to the hurting and to speak life and to speak hope. It's your turn. It's your turn to to walk into that place. Eli is having this moment, and now it's his turn. The other priests have passed on, and now it's his turn. It's his turn to step into the role. And here's Levi. He's been given opportunity to lead in his home and lead in his temple. There's a, a specific place for him to lead from, and it's his turn. But here's the problem. Eli never leaves the chair. In fact, I went back, and as I'm looking at this, looking at Eli, and there's just four chapters that really give us the picture of Eli, but every time you look at Eli, I want you to notice this, that Levi or Eli never steps out of a place of being able to have significance. He does something, but he doesn't have great significance because as we read his life, that he, he, he literally dies falling out of a chair, but I don't know that he ever really got out of the chair. Look at it says here in 1 Samuel 1, 9, that every time we see him, I find him, and he's in some position of reclining or sitting, kind of complacency, just going with the flow, not really having purpose. I want you to see this. He, he has a job to do, but every time he's sitting down. Once after a sacrificial meal at Shiloh, Hannah got up and went to pray. Eli the priest, what? He was sitting in his customary place beside the entrance of the temple. Now that's where he was supposed to be, but go back and read it. I'm not going to read it all today, but maybe tonight or sometime this week during your devotions, read 1 Samuel chapters 1 to 4 and get a picture and a taste of Eli and what was going on. Here's Eli when Hannah, who was a woman of God, who desired to have a child so much so that when she went for her annual worship with her husband to the temple, she said to God, praying, God, give me a child, and if you give me a child, I'll give him back to you. And while Hannah is there praying, Eli is watching from his chair. And the Bible says that he watched her, and he saw her mouth move, and she became passionate, asking God for a child. Eli doesn't get out of the chair. He just watches her and says, hey, why'd you come to church drunk? That's literally what he says. Go back and read it. He says, why you come, why, why you come drunk? You, why, why are you so passionate? Here's what it is. Levi or Eli wasn't even realizing what was going on in Hannah's life. Why? Because he got so comfortable sitting on the chair. He didn't know what it was to be passionate for God. He didn't know what it was to have a desire and a passion. And here's Eli sitting in the chair now saying to a woman who's just crying out before God, God, I want your purpose in my life. I want a child so that your purpose can be carried out in my life. I want to be a part of what you're doing. And here's Eli the priest who ought to be the one leading the way sitting there saying, I have no idea this woman's drunk. Isn't it pretty messed up that when the person who ought to know the presence of God closely is the one who's just sitting in his chair observing and looking and saying, what's wrong with her? 
He's sitting in his chair. The next place we find him, he, he's also in the, the, the Bible says in 1 Samuel one twenty three that Eli, while sitting in his chair, he said to them, to his sons, notice this, he said to them, I have been hearing reports from all the people of all the wicked things you're doing. Why do you keep on sinning? We'll come back and hit this. But notice what he does here. He, he listens, he says, he hears, and he says things, but he never does anything. Why? Because he just sat in his chair. How many know that you can sit in your chair and you can watch things, you can hear things, you can say things all the while just sitting in your chair? How many know it's possible? You can just sit in your chair and watch what's going on. Sit in your chair and listen to what's going on. Sit in your chair and just say what ought, to, what ought to take place. But all the while, all he did was stayed in his chair, not doing anything. How about this one? We find him again in chapter 3. It says, one night, Eli, who was almost blind by now, had gone to bed. This is where he interacts with Samuel. Again, these four, four chapters. Throughout this week, I'd encourage you, maybe find time and read this, this, the first uh, chapters of, of 1, Samuel, uh, 1 Samuel 1 to 4. And Eli is, is now with Samuel, Hannah's son, the one who's crying out to God for a son. She now has a son, brings him back to, the, to the, the Lord, just like she said she would do. And now Samuel is sleeping one night near the Ark of the Covenant. And while Samuel is sleeping, he hears a voice speak to him. And Samuel wakes up and he goes to Eli. He says to Eli, hey, master, I heard you call me. Eli, while laying in bed, Eli says, I never called you. Go back to bed. Notice, Eli doesn't get up, or Eli doesn't even investigate. Eli doesn't even try and see what's going on. Eli stays in his bed and says, hey, go back to sleep. I didn't call you. So Samuel comes again the second time. The Lord is speaking to Samuel. Go back and read it in chapter 3. Samuel was young. He had not heard the Lord yet. He had not yet known the voice of God. Samuel's laying in bed. He hears the voice again. Call his name. He wakes up. He goes to Eli. He said, I heard you call my name. Eli said, I didn't call your name. Go back to bed. Notice where Eli stays. I'm not getting out of my bed because you think I called you. You go back to bed. I didn't call you. The third time Samuel comes. Says, hey, you called my name. Eli said, I didn't call your name. But then it dawns on, on Eli. Huh. Maybe the Lord's trying to call him. Why? Because he just becomes so comfortable and so passive. So, so comfortable just sitting in his chair that it didn't even occur. He wasn't quick to say, what's the Lord doing? What's the Lord speaking? That sometimes we can get so caught up in doing our life and doing what we're doing and not even recognizing the voice of God that there's a moment in time that right there, that that event, that was God positioning you at that moment to work and to speak to your life. But if we're not careful, we'll just say, oh, just go back to bed. Keep doing like you've been doing. Just keep living life the way you keep living life. Just keep going the way it's going. And miss the moment that God is wanting to intervene and speak to this time and to speak into our life, but we'll miss it if we're just content reclining and staying in our chair and being comfortable. We hear again then the last time that we meet or we hear of Samuel or of Eli. It's now chapter four, the text that we just read. And the Bible says this, that Eli was waiting for a report to come from the battlefield and he was sitting along the side of the road. While he's sitting on the side of the road, this is where he meets his ultimate demise. The Bible says he falls out of the chair and breaks his neck and dies because he was old and overweight. Eli is in a position of reclining. Are you catching this condition of Eli? That the posture, I know I can't judge your posture. I get it. It's not right to judge. But there are times that your posture really says what you're really into. I mean, you can go this afternoon and sit in my house and watch people watching the football game and really know who's into the football game. There will be people on the couch watching the football game like this. 
I don't judge, but I'm just saying they're probably not that interested in what's going on. Is that fair? I mean, you can come and watch people watch the game, and while they're at the game or while they're watching the game, they're out at the kitchen trying to find the next thing to eat. Because there's certain times it's like, I'm not judging, and I know sometimes, well, who are you to judge? Who are you to say I'm not into this? Who are you to say, uh, I'm just watching your posture, just watching your reaction, just watching your response. I'm just watching the engagement of what it is. I'm just, I'm just noticing that we can become so accustomed, and here's what comes to it, that we can do religious things, but not have the significance of what God wants to accomplish in our life. So I want to look at Eli, and I want to, I want to if, if I can use this today, I, I want to throw some flags today and say, hey, watch out for some of this stuff. Watch out for some of the stuff that gets into, into us and can cause us to just remain comfortable and almost be happy that, well, hey, at least I'm here. At least I'm in my seat. At least I'm, I showed up today. That's a start. Listen, if, you've not, if you're not starting a relationship with Jesus, then I'm glad you're here today because we want you to start a relationship with Jesus, to grow into that. We're glad you're here. We want every seat to be taken up. We want every, every service to be full. We want to see more churches started, more services began. We want to see more of those things happen. And I believe that we as a church want to see that as well. But can I tell you, that will happen as people are not just sitting in a seat, but now people are rising up with significance. Because it's one thing to be safe in your seat. It's another thing now to rise up with significance. What was it that kept Eli in the chair? Why did Eli stay in his seat? Here's why. Because he was overweight. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're immediately going to the physical. Don't. I'm not talking about the physical, and here's why I don't want you to hear the physical. Because we can get so caught up in the physical on two extremes. So I want to get this out of the way right now. You can get caught up in the physical. Oh, Jason's saying the man was overweight, so that had to do with his physical. That's not all of it, because that really is a spiritual condition. But I'm not talking about the physical. Here's why. Because some of us might be here today and feeling condemnation. But then there might be others in the room feeling justification. And both in themselves are a problem. The one who feels condemned because they're not good enough, that's not of God. But the one who feels justified because in the physical, in the physical, well, I do this. And there are some people who justify themselves and say, I've got, I've got things in motion. I've got significance. I've got a significant job. I've got a significant income. I've got a significant uh, 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 savings account. I've got significant children doing significant things. I've got significance. Those types of significance are temporary things. I'm not talking about significance in the temporary. I'm talking about significance in the eternal and what the impact is that we're having, not just in the physical. I'm talking about the impact. So so here's the problem. If you look at the physical and I say the word overweight, get it out of your head. It's not the physical because it's not condemnation and it's not justification. And I would, I would worry more for the person who looks at the physical and feels justified. Here's why. Because when you look at the person and feel justified or you look at the physical and feel justified, you feel justified because you, in your position, at least I'm better than them. That's justification that really becomes self-serving. 
So I'm not looking, because so I want to get that out of the way. I want to look at the spiritual aspect. This isn't condemnation, it's not justification. Because the moment we get caught up in justification is because we look and say, well, you know, I'm doing okay because I'm not like they are. I'm not like that person. Maybe you got your eyes in the wrong place. When did that person all of a sudden become the standard for your righteousness before God? When did that person become the standard bearer for what it is to, to walk in the righteousness and the fulfillment that God has? Here is Eli. Now I want to look today. Here's what he did not handle. He didn't handle his weight. And here's the weight, the weight of influence and opportunity. You all, you, each and every one of us have been given a weight. How are we handling it? How are we handling our weight? I want to look at these three things before I trip over this thing that's right here to plug stuff up. And y'all can't see it, so why would I even say anything about it? Except I almost tripped. But now that that's over with. Side trail, just. Look, squirrel. <laughs> I'm back. Are you? <laughs> um. Here's Eli, his weight, how he handled his weight. Let me, let me give you these three things this morning. And I want you to hear, and I, I'm telling you what, you, I, I was serious when I said, did you come to do some work today? Because you're going to have to dig with me a little bit. We're going to have to look at the word this morning and get some meat out of this. Is that all right? You up for that? Is it all right if we, if we, if we serve a little bit of a meat platter here today? And, and uh, there's going to be some meat. So I know it's kickoff Sunday. Some of you are like, but I brought my, uh, you know, I came with my, my jersey just for a simple service and just catch a football and say, yay, let's go have a good Steelers game. I, I totally get that. I won't, I won't take up more, too much time. I just want to hit these things. Listen, here's the weight. Eli is overweight. And when I look at this, and I read the first time, the Bible says that Eli fell off his chair, broke his neck, and died because he was old and heavy. So being a studier of the Bible and someone who I really love studying the Bible, I looked at that word heavy. And I wanted to find out what it meant originally. And here's what the word heavy means. The word heavy means this. It means heavy. It means weighty. Having much weight. But I noticed that he dies because he has much weight that led to his death. But as I'm reading about his characteristics in the chapters leading up to his death, I read what God says to him in chapter 2, I believe it's verse 19. The Lord confronts him through a messenger and the Lord says, Why have you honored your sons more than me? You've honored your sons more than me. So once again, the word honor. I tend to be this way. I'm kind of simple in my approach of studying the Bible. I want to just take a word and see what's at the heart of it. My mind saw something altogether different. I looked up the word for heavy because that's what caused him to die. And then when I'm studying differently, his characteristics that led to his death, he honored his sons more than he honored God. So I look up the word honor. Guess what I found? The exact word. Not a variation of the word, but the exact word is used that shows heavy and honor. What I want to say to you today is some of us need to shift the weight around. 
some of us need to, number one, shift the weight around. He died because he was heavy. Here's what he was heavy with. He was heavy because he put more weight on his sons than he did on God. He gave more honor to his sons than he did to God. What's that mean? It means this. He gave more value and more weight to temporal things and to earthly things than he did to the things of God. He put more emphasis. Let me ask you today, what's the weightiest thing in your life right now? What is on your mind when you wake up in the morning? What is on your mind? What is the first thing you turn to? I know you're going to say to me, hey, Jason, you can't say just because the first thing I do in the morning is not give attention to God doesn't mean I don't love God. I'm not saying that, but I am saying you may have gotten comfortable in your chair. I am saying you may have learned to just live life in the chair and miss the opportunity to allow weight to fall to the things of God. You've got more weight. What consumes your mind? Your marriage consumes your mind. Your relationships with other people, your tension, your job, your employment, your success. What consumes your mind? Because whatever it is consumes your mind. You put weight there. You better be careful. You might put too much weight in the chair and you might die. You might put weight on the things that are temporary. You might put weight on the things that don't really matter. But we've got to put our weight and shift the weight. If we're going to make progress, if we're going to move, I remember doing some projects with with traveling ministry, and, and we had to learn. We literally got taught how to pack the trailer. Some people might say, what's the big deal? You just make everything fit in the trailer. But no, we found out that there's a proper way. You've got to make sure that the weight is evenly dispersed because it helps with the, with the mileage. It, it makes things different. It affects how we go. And sometimes if we're just careless of just letting life happen, but we've got to learn how to shift the weight. There's some things that we're giving weight to that we need to not give as much weight to. How many would recognize there's probably some things we've allowed some weight to carry and it doesn't need to carry that much weight. But then there's things of, with the things of God that we've got to give more weight to those things and allow the weight to shift. Where in your life do you need to shift some weight so that you're not overwhelmed and allowing yourself to come to a place where you just get comfortable living in the chair? We've got to learn how to shift the weight. Let me give you number two. Number two is this. We've, we've got to learn in this, and what we need to do is we need to put our weight into it. Put your weight into it. Let me introduce you to Eli the father, not Eli the priest, Eli the father. We already said some of it. Eli the father is hanging out with his boys while he's sitting there watching what his sons are doing. He knows what's going on. And Eli's sons are supposed to be taking care of the sacrifices. And Eli's sons are taking advantage of the women who are attending at the temple They're also taking portions of the meat that they want and they're not honoring God at all with the sacrifices. Eli is in a position to do something about this. But you know Eli's quandary? Is that if he stops them from doing that, it'll affect the good results that he's getting. Why do you think he's overweight? Because he was eating some of the meat that they got. He was receiving and it became about him. Eli, instead of addressing what he needed to address, I don't want to upset that. Why? Because if I upset that, it'll affect what I'm getting. Some of us know there's some decisions, some things. We know that we shouldn't gossip about that person. But man, it sure feels good when we sound like we're better than they are. We know we shouldn't be sleeping with that person we're not married to. We know we shouldn't be putting ourselves in those positions and having ourselves in relationships. It's not honoring God. It's not, and we know because it's not fulfilling, but all the while the problem is this. It just feels too good. I get too much benefit from it. There's a momentary satisfaction. 
You know what it's like that you're comfortable in that chair instead of being confronting. And here's what Eli does. The Bible says that Eli is sitting in his chair. He says to his sons, he says these words to him. He says that he knows what they're doing. He's heard what they've been doing. And I'm pointing to the screen because there it is. Eli said to them, he said, I have been hearing reports from all the people about the wicked things you are doing. And why do, and why you, why do you keep sinning? Notice what Eli does. Eli says to them, hey, I heard what you're doing. Here's the problem. Eli just said what he heard. But if he would have put his weight behind it, he would have done more than just say, hey, I hear what you're doing. What he had the authority to do was to remove his sons from that place. But how many know the reason he didn't remove his sons It's because he liked the benefits that were coming back. He liked what was happening. He didn't want to confront that. I don't want a challenge to go closer. Listen, I don't want anybody else to get challenged to get out of their chair because if they get out of their chair, then I'm going to have to be challenged to get out of my chair. I'd rather just stay where I am. Do you know what I don't like? I don't like people who eat healthy and exercise. Okay, I'm being semi-true. Here's the truth of the matter, and you know this. You don't like it when people confront you or you feel confronted or you feel challenged in a certain area. How many would admit it? You know when you get challenged in an area that you do not want to change. You want to challenge me on things that I know I need to change, but I know there's some people, don't talk to me about the Bible. I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to be challenged by that stuff. And I know how you feel because I don't like being challenged by people who eat healthy and do all kinds of exercises. Sorry, just being real. We'd rather sit in the chair with other people who are sitting in the chair. We'd rather just stay comfortable with other people who just, just stay comfortable. Just stay, stay reserved. Stay easy. But man, you start getting around somebody that pushes you. Oh, you tell me you feel comfortable when you're being pushed. You liar. Just, that wasn't nice. Why did I even say that? What is? Stop it. Just being challenged when it comes to that place. And here's Eli. Eli doesn't want to challenge that. Because if he challenges that, then he gets challenged in the process. So you know what he'd rather do? Brush it under the rug, sit here. So I'll just be comfortable. Don't address it. Don't bring that up. Don't identify that. Let's just stay comfortable. And sometimes asking ourselves this, are we putting our weight into it? Are we putting our weight into God has put, given you influence? Are you putting your weight into it? He's made you the husband of your home, of your wife, and the father of your home, the mother, and, and the, the influence. He's put, are you putting your weight behind it? Are you giving it everything you've got? Are you putting your, your weight and allowing that influence? He's given you the influence. Oh, heaven forbid if we just say, well, I've only got a couple of years with them and hope they'll just be all right when they're on their own, they're on their own. I get that there's a point when they're on their own, they are on their own. But in the meantime, God, help us to handle well the weight that you've given us. He's given you an employment. Some of you want a different one. Handle well the one he's given you because if you don't handle the one he's given you now, how are you going to be ready for a different one? Handle it well. Step into it well. Handle well the the responsibilities, the things that, that are in front of you to handle the weight that comes to allow, put your weight into it. He's given you influence. 
Eli, instead of getting up and doing something, he just sat in his chair and said, hey, I heard what you're doing. He could have and should have gotten up and said, boys, you're not going to do this. I'll serve the sacrifices, but we're not allowing this anymore. But he didn't have enough willingness to confront what needed to be confronted. And so he didn't put his weight behind it. He just remained in that process and in that way. Listen, I know what we could easily go to. That's the culture we live in, Jason. We we live in a culture of, of uncommitment. We live in a culture of just do as you please. We live in a culture of just do as everybody does. The problem with that is, though we live in a culture that goes that way, doesn't mean that I have to just go along with it. It means I have to be able to say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, as for me in my studies, as for me in my work environment, as for me in my marriage, can I tell you that today? Quit comparing the things that are around. As for me and my house, as for me and my walk with God, as for me, as for me, it doesn't matter what comes after that if you don't first address as for me. If you don't first address as for me. You, you might have tension in your home. And there's things that need to be addressed in other people in your home. But you know what? You can't say my house until you first say as for me. As for me. I've got to get me in the proper place before I can worry about getting anything else in the proper place. And if I don't do that, then I've allowed myself to be comfortable and I've become self-serving because, unfortunately, that really just means it's about me. I don't need to change. Everybody else needs to change. Everybody else needs to quit. I don't need confronted. I don't need this change. Let me give you the last one. Everybody good? We've got to shift the weight. We've got to put our weight into it. Let me give you the last one. The last one is this. We need to carry our weight. Let me, I want you to catch this. So get ready. We're going we're, we're gonna to jump into this. We, we've been looking at this, but I want you to, to hear this. As I was reading this, um, I want to read it to you and see if you catch it. Eli was waiting or sitting beside the road to hear the news of the battle. For his heart trembled. His heart trembled for the safety of the ark of God. His heart trembled for the safety of the ark of God. Two things are in there. So I want you to follow me. Worship team's going to come help us close. But you can just stay with me here. Eli's heart trembled for the safety of the ark of God. Here's the first question I've got to ask Eli. Eli, when did you ever think it was your job to protect what was supposed to protect you? He trembled for the safety of the ark of God, which tells me that the ark of God really became nothing more than a rabbit's foot to him. It just became something that he pulled out whenever he needed it. In fact, they're fighting in the area of their battle and they lose, and someone says, why would God let this happen to us? And someone says, oh, hey, get the Ark of the Covenant and bring it here. Notice how it was kind of like a second thought. Oh, we should have the Ark of the Covenant. And now Eli wants to know what happened to the Ark of God. And he's worried and trembling over it. He's trembling that something happened to it because, unfortunately, it was nothing more than just a good luck charm. It became a relic. It became a religious act. 
It just became something that, that was a part that he really didn't have significance with. And it just became something that he would use. You know, sometimes we can get to the place of it's getting bad. So I better pull out the prayer card. I better, better pull out the tithing card. You know, maybe you've even have thought this. God, I tithe. Why in the world do you let this happen? Because I'm tithing. Whoa, 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 whoa. When did you think tithing was supposed to be your rabbit's foot that this will get me what I need? This will make it happen for me. If I pull this out, if I use this, these are not things for us to use. These are things that we get to participate in what God wants to do. I'm not tithing to get God to give me something. I'm tithing because he already gave me what I have and I recognize that I'm nothing without him. The problem is when we don't recognize who he is. And we're not recognizing who he is. And this became nothing more than a relic, a spiritual object to him. But notice as well, he says these words. He says he feared for the safety of the ark of God. Now, what's the problem with that? Because it wasn't called the ark of God. It was called the ark of the covenant. Uh-oh. Pretty convenient. Just take the covenant part out and just have the ark. Doesn't make for a healthy marriage if you just pull out the covenant and just try and call it a marriage. It's a covenant. It's an agreement. What is it? It's two people agreeing together to partner and to work. What is the covenant between God and man? It is God's promise to man as man upholds the will of God, the word of God. We can want God's blessing, but if we don't do it God's way, how can we blame God for not blessing us when we sometimes remove the covenant part? I know this is, this is heavy. I told you we're going to get tools out. There's going to be work. I get it. I get it. I get it. But you can't try and engage with a holy God and take the covenant out. You lose everything. Here's the covenant. Why? Eli says, go get that ark. Or the people say, go get the ark. They call it the covenant of God. The moment it's captured, they just call it the ark. You know why? Because that's all they treated it as, the ark of God. He turned it into something he pulled out whenever he needed it. You know what he was? He was a user. He was a user. Just used it. God, I, I use it because it, for whatever purpose I need at that time. And He says, go get it, and he brings it. And the problem is that they removed the covenant. It was never meant to be an object that was supposed to bring good luck charm. The reason it was designed as the covenant was because God's presence is so holy and the only way you can meet with God is if you're perfect. The only way you can get in the presence of God is if you're perfect. And so God said, I'm going to create a place to meet with you. My presence will dwell in this place because you're not perfect. 
And so my mercy is that I'm not going to show you my, my, my presence because you're sinful and my presence would kill you. Do you realize that? That is God's mercy that he contained his presence in the Ark of the Covenant. Why? Because we are sinful people and we could not look upon him. But he made a way. You know what he did? He said, I'll create the sacrifices of animals. I'll create a way that you can come and meet with me. My presence will be in this temple and only the priest can come in. Only the priest can come in only after they have done everything just the right way. They've cleaned their clothes. They've sacrificed animals. They've done all the right stuff. And in fact, tie a bell to their leg. Because if by chance something doesn't go right and they've not honored my presence, they'll fall dead. I may think that might cause revival in the church again. That if they don't honor my presence, if they don't carry the weight properly, they'll fall dead. And when you don't hear the bells ringing in the temple anymore, drag them out. Don't go in yourself. Don't you dare step in there. Why? Because God has rules and you're not allowed. You can't do whatever. No, because there's a holy presence. There's a holiness of God. And if you're not prepared, it'll kill you. You can't receive his blessing just any old way. You try and show up at the White House and just tell them, hey, I'd like to see the president. Just tell them. So they'll say, for what? Well, because I want to see the president. What do you think the chances are they're going to just let you waltz right into the White House and say, hey, president, someone would like to see you. You're not getting in there without going through this and having this and having that. We know that in the natural. And God loved us so much that here's what he did. He made a way for us, a holy place, the only way to get in, the Ark of the Covenant. The presence of God to come and to meet before God. You know what the Ark of the Covenant was meant to be? It was meant to be a meeting place for man to connect with God. And you know what Eli did? Eli took what was meant to be a meeting place and a place to connect with God. Eli just made it his good luck charm that he put in the back of his pocket and pulled it out whenever he needed to swipe it, whenever he needed to use it. He became a user but did not take ownership of what God gave him. Is this making sense to anybody today? But when we take the covenant out, when we miss, he became a user. It was meant to be a place to meet with God. And now Eli, through all of this, just remained comfortable. You know what? Today, God loved us so much that he said, I've made a way for you to meet with me. He sent his son, Jesus Christ. His son, who knew nothing but glory and never knew of sin. No sin is found in him. And he came to this earth like one of us. He put on our flesh. He became like us. He walked among the people of the day. He lived tempted by sin but never knew sin. Remained perfect in every way. Was without sin. And he went to the cross. He died on the cross. Why? Because God's so mean that he let him die? No, because he said, I want to make a way for you to meet with me. And Jesus died on the cross. And the moment he died, the Bible says the veil was torn from the top to the bottom. That God said, I'm in this. This is my doing. I'm creating a place for you. Do you know what God has created for you? Have you caught what he's done for you? That he says, you can come in and meet with me. That's pretty powerful that we get to meet with the holy of holy but here's the problem the problem is 
that when we can just be comfortable in life and say, oh, that's nice. God wants to meet with me, but that's all right. I like it right here. I'm comfortable right here. I'm comfortable right here. I don't want to, I just want to sit. I don't want to, I want to be able to participate, but I don't want to have responsibility. I want to be able to critique and give my opinion, but not have any obligation to follow through with my opinions. I want to be able to have influence, but only at the cost of being able to say what ought to be done. I don't, I don't want to be an owner. I don't want to buy in. I don't want to buy into it. I, I just want to use it. I don't want to be bought into the whole process. I don't want it to like totally uproot and change everything about me. I just want it to be there when I need something and say, hey, got a problem. And all of a sudden, flip things around and forget. God is there to meet my needs, absolutely. But the first thing is he's inviting us to come to him. He says, come to me. Come to me. I don't want to play in the NFL. Sure wouldn't mind collecting some of their money. I bought a jersey and I'll cheer and do all of that. I've never touched a Super Bowl trophy. Why? Because the only way to get there is to get out of the chair, get on the field, and begin to be a part of it. Moving into action. Or we could just say with Eli, nah, let's just stay comfortable. Let's just, let's just stay at a place of distance. Let's get excited when it gets exciting. But let's just stay in the chair. I want to ask you today, I believe this, that the Holy Spirit is calling people to come back to him. So this morning as we sing this song, this song is a simply, simple invitation that says, come to the altar. There are people even now that are moving about, and the reason they are is because they're getting ready to pray for people. These are folks who are making themselves ready to pray and be an encouragement. But this morning, I want to ask you today, if you say, I need to get out of the chair, I've been sitting in a place of complacency. You say, what's that mean to me? Well, I don't know what your next step is, but let me ask you this. Have you believed on Jesus as your Savior? Have you been baptized? We have a baptism service next Sunday at Ohio Powell at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Why don't you come on up there and be baptized? Are you in relationship, a point group? You say, well, do I have to be a part of a point group to be saved? No. But your relationship cannot grow without being in relationship or in connecting with other people. How do you grow in the knowledge you have? You surround yourself in the places to grow in the knowledge. <laughs> Everything you know is because you've surrounded yourself with people who know those things. And you've grown. It's become valuable. Encourage us to make this a part for us. That we would be able to make it our own. Let's take the price tag off.
Let's buy into what God wants to do in our lives. Let's allow him to accomplish the work that he wants to do in us for his glory. That's you today. You say, I want to say today before God, God, I don't want to just stay in my complacency of my own thing. I'm coming to you today. We're going to sing this song, Come to the Altar. We're literally going to invite you to come to the altar. And there are people that will pray with you today. But I don't know where you need to move, but I would say this. Every one of us need to move. Something God has. Let's move today.